Arizona Sports, Wolf and Luke. This is Behind Enemy Lines. Gathering intel on this week's Cardinals opponent from inside enemy base camp. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Your retirement is on the clock. Execute your game plan today by visiting canvasannuity.com. Well, it feels like the Cardinals and Seahawks just played. That's because they did. They played on October 16th, and it's just barely November. And uh, it's, it was big a couple weeks ago. I would say it's even bigger this week now, at least for the Cardinals, Wolf. Let's get the Seahawks' perspective on things from Dave Wyman, the co-host, co-host of Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, 17 a.m. And he is the Seahawks' color analyst. Uh, Dave, what's going on? Not much. I love your guys' promo that you know that I'm the enemy and behind enemy lines. And Wolf and I, Wolf, I thought we were tight, man. Yeah, you're we are me, tight. Yeah, no, we are tight. But man, you and I both uh, have contributed to the demise of us at some point in time. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing down there? We're doing great, man. I appreciate you joining us, David. You know, Dave, we were talking about this uh, leading into this segment a couple weeks ago. Both teams are going into that game at two and three. And locally, we were talking, hey, maybe you get the Seahawks. Their defense is struggling. This could be a launching pad game for the Cardinals. As it turns out, it's kind of been a launching pad game for the Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah, it really has. I mean, and. You know, Gino, I think the two things that, that really stand out to me is Gino and his play and his decision making and things like that. But, uh, but since, yeah, that game against you guys up here, I think you had 144 yards on the ground, but a hundred of it was from Kyler Murray. And then the next week they go to the Chargers and they limit them to 53 yards rushing. And then last week, I mean, it, the Giants were, averaging 172 yards a game. They were number two in the NFL, and they kept them to 78. Barkley had uh, 2.7 per carry. So, and, and what I would say, because, well, if I'm always trying to get like, and I always say, look, I'm not in the meetings. I don't know what the rules are. I don't know, you know, what they're doing. And I, we've asked every player in the front seven, what's the difference? Because the first you know, few games, they were just bleeding yardage on the ground. So, um, but what I see is that they're attacking the line of scrimmage instead of trying to read it. And so I think the the easiest way to put it and how they fix their run defense is that I think now everybody knows what their gap is before the ball snaps. It, it, it was, I think they were trying to read, they were trying to two gap. So, you know, one, you know, the, the defensive line is up there and he's taken on the blocker and then he's the, either taken front side or backside. And then the linebacker has to wait for him and then, you know, hit the gap. And it was just the timing was all screwed up, but now they've got, they've got that part down. And yeah, it's uh, I think they, the last three games, they average out to 91. I think that'd be yeah, two or three in the league. You know what, David? I look at this game coming up between the Cardinals, of course, and the Seahawks, and I think to myself, this is going to be a fundamentals game. This is going to come down to the team that blocks the best, the team that tackles the best, and the team that actually protects the ball the best. I, I think it, and when I think of that, David, I think of Pete Carroll. I, I think of what he has stood for and the type of coach he is throughout his career. Can you embellish on that? Can you enlighten us a little bit as to why that is a true statement? Yeah, well, it's funny, Wolf, because, 
he's like the most progressive coach, you know, and he's the youngest coach at heart. And he got a penalty last week for running into the official because he was so excited about a play that was happening on the other side of the field. But yet, as far as his philosophy, it's as old school as it gets. Yep. You know, it's it's like lineup. It's about hitting. It's about, and a lot of people think that he's not that way. And I think Pete's more old fashioned than you think. I think it's funny nationally. I think everybody looks at him and go, Oh, he's old 71 year old. He's a stodgy old guy. Everybody here who hears him every day thinks that, Oh, he's this, you know, progressive coach that lets the guys do what they want. He's much more old school than people here anyway, think that than he is. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's all about that. And look what's happened. I mean, especially with the defense in the front seven, it's all been about guys are winning their battles. They're winning their individual battles at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, if you want to see the one guy that embodies that big number 99, Al Woods, just, yes. he's just a, a battler, man. He's in the middle of that, uh, that line and, and David, just taking on blockers and throwing them to the ground. I mean, yeah, I've been watching Vikings, you know, when they, that that series where you know there's there's always one guy in the middle that just like taking everybody down, hitting them with his shield and his spear. I mean that's that's Al Woods like in the in the middle of the line of scrimmage. Right? How's that for embellishing, Wolf? That's beautiful right there. <laughs> not only that too, Al Woods did not play in the last game. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Seahawks color analyst, co-host of Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports seven ten AM. Dave Wyman, Dave, you know, at least from an outside perspective, this was supposed to be a down year for the Seahawks. I'm just wondering, is the fan base there? Are they just like, hey, let's enjoy the ride, or is there the sense of, okay, we're back, we've turned the corner already? Yeah, I think everybody's starting to get really excited, really excited, and you know, I think a lot of. Uh, it's interesting, like the transition from last year to this year, no Bobby Wagner, no Russell Wilson, of course. And I think early on people were kind of mad at, at Russell. Um, and, you know, and some stories and some things about him are starting to kind of creep out. The Seahawks haven't said anything about that. But, you know, what's interesting is, um, and I would just say in this just to, you know, make a jab on the broadcast, but they're, they're chanting Geno. And I just, I looked at Rabel, who, who calls the games with me, and I'm like, I don't remember anybody chanting Russ. I mean, I don't want to get carried away here, but I think, you know, they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder about that. And then they're just really excited about Pete getting back to, and I think he got a bum rap over the last few years of not playing rookies, Pete, because they had such a good roster. I mean, when you win nine, or you go to the playoffs nine out of 12 years, you have a really good roster. I think it was just hard for the rookies to get on the field. But now this this class, uh, everybody's all in on this rookie group that Derek Young played uh, over the last couple games, I think, since we last met. And he's the seventh rookie of the nine uh, rookies drafted to get significant playing time. So there's that that everybody's excited about. There's the Geno Smith thing that is just, I think, shocked everybody. I mean, he'd be a pro bowler in the NFC right now. Um, and, you know, so that it's kind of a rebirth. But, yeah, the chance of Geno in the in the stands, that was uh, maybe the one thing that stood out the most to me. Dave, we appreciate the time. And uh, I guess enjoy the ride in Seattle. We were kind of hoping we would be on that ride this year, but uh, it's still time. Yeah. Thanks for the time. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, David. Thanks a lot. That's Dave Wyman. Again, the co-host of Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports 710 AM and, of course, the Seahawks color analyst. 
It's interesting what he said there at the end about how the fans now are kind of getting excited about it because I remember talking to some Seattle fans before the last meeting a couple weeks ago, and they were like, this is fun. You know, we're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with Gino, but it's it's fun, and we're just going to enjoy it. And now you can kind of get that sense. They're like, all right, here we go. We got a... They got the first place team in the division. I, they would have been Incredible. absolutely my last Incredible. choice to be in first right yes. now. All right, when we come back. You've heard what we've had to say about Patrick Peterson's comments about the Cardinals. What does Steve Kime have to say about Patrick Peterson's comments about the Cardinals? We're going to ask the Cardinals general manager because he's going to join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cardinals GM Steve Kime. Kime time. With Wolf and Luke. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Time we're about to talk to Cardinals general manager Steve Kime joining us here on this Friday morning. Cardinals getting set to take on the Seahawks here in just a couple of days. Wolf, obviously, a uh, quite the pivotal game as we've been outlining, not just for what it does in the standings with Hard Knocks starting up and everything, with uh, you know this this three game stretch now of nothing but divisional opponents. Steve Kime is joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Steve, thanks for the time. How's it going? Good. Good morning, man. How you doing, Steve? Uh, we're uh, we're going to start right out of the gate with the Patrick Peterson stuff, obviously. As the GM of this team, what do you think when you hear Patrick Peterson saying some of the stuff he said this week? I mean, I have nothing but respect for, for Pat and the, the, the athlete and the, the talent that he possesses. Obviously, during my tenure as uh, general manager, one of the more talented corners that I've seen him play in the league. And so I have a lot of respect for him as a player. I have no problems with it. So, Steve, the letter that he says shows up in his locker. Do, what do you do? You know anything about that? The letter that he says showed up at his locker. I, I do not. I am unaware of that. Talking to Steve Kime. Uh, Steve, the trade deadline having just passed here a couple days ago, uh, you guys made the trade for Robbie Anderson about a week and a half before that. Were you close to anything else, or are you comfortable with what you have now for the second half? Yeah, no, there was a number of conversations, and that always happens once you get closer to the deadline. But um, as we know, it takes two to tango, and there really weren't any opportunities that, that fit us right, you know, from a from a team and a cap standpoint. So, uh, but we do feel good about a number of the guys that we've added in the past couple of weeks, and think they'll have an opportunity to display their talents moving forward. So, Steve, as you look at your roster right now and you look at the record, three and five, um, what concerns you most about the three and five that you've seen so far? I mean, I just think the consistency on offense would have to be the alarming thing when you know that you have um, a number of talented players and on that side of the ball and, and, and you feel like to some degree, obviously to, to a degree, you've, under, you've underachieved haven't played good football in terms of playing together, playing in unison, you know, and the mistakes that we've made, whether it's been miscommunication with routes or time management with, you know, getting the, the, the playoff, just little things that obviously can be fixed but are very disappointing at this point. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff you just talked about right there, I think is where a lot of people are frustrated to getting the plays in from the sidelines. That sort of stuff, like you said, can be fixed but hasn't been yet. Are you confident it will be? Because now you've got this three-game stretch that might really define the season. Yes, I do. 
Um, looking at some of the injuries you guys have had this season, and specifically Rodney Hudson, who it sounds like isn't going to play on Sunday against the Seahawks, how challenging has that been with your offensive line of all positions being the one that's been beat up? Well, I mean, it's always it's always challenging, but at the same time, you know, I never want to be a, uh, a general manager that uses the excuses. Everybody's got to deal with injuries and the next man up mentality. But, you know, again, it's unfortunate, particularly when it's players that, um, you know, I have great respect for Rodney. I think he's been a great player in this league, and it's just unfortunate that, um, that he's been dealing with this injury. But I think at some point in time he'll be able to come back in the near future, and obviously that'll pay huge dividends for us. What have you seen from Billy Price on that note so far? Sorry, what foot say? Yeah, what have you seen from Billy Price? You know, Billy had a, a really good first game, I thought. I think this past game there was some, um, you know, he had a couple times where people crossed his face or some quickness beat him inside. But, you know, for a guy that, that we signed off the practice squad and stepped in, I think he's done an admirable job. Uh, I think Cody Ford's done a nice job, you know, stepping in at left guard for Justin Pugh. And I think Will Hernandez has played pretty consistent this season so far. So, again, there's there's been some bright spots uh, as much as we want to uh, get concerned with a lack of consistency. There has been some good things that we've done offensively. Steve, in regard to this three-game window that exists right now, all within the NFC West, of course, playing Seattle and then the Rams and then the 49ers in Mexico City, I mean, should this be framed up that, boy, this is this is a way to right the ship based on how your season has gone so far? Should it be framed up that way, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question. I mean, it's a it's a great opportunity ahead of us when, when you know, when you're it's easy to point fingers when you're down and to get discouraged. But to have this opportunity at this point in time, um, listen, again, we're seven and oh last year. And then all of a sudden we went the other way. Um, I don't have any question that uh, we have the people in the building, coaching uh, and players, that can turn this thing around. But it's going to have to take great effort, and we're going to have to continue to, to play consistent football and minimize the mistakes, and that's obviously a big deal. We're talking to Cardinals general manager Steve Kime. Steve, with everything you just mentioned, with the way last season played out, with everything that's on the line right now, to then have hard knocks showing up right at this critical juncture of the season, it's great for them. How do you guys feel about it? I'm talking to Chris Ballard, the coach GM. It certainly helped them last year because they um, improved when Hard Knock showed up. And, you know, I, I don't uh, – it's today's day and age, which I think a lot of these players like uh, the cameras. And, you know, hopefully you get a little extra, you know, uh, incentive for those guys to show up and practice and to compete their butts off. But, you know, I, I think it's great for the fans to, to have that um, – inside look into the team and to see the different personalities and to see what we do on a daily basis. I mean, to capture that kind of um, film to me is, is, is magnificent for the fan base. So eight, it's only eight games, obviously, Steve, but Kyler Murray, evaluate Kyler Murray. What have you seen from him? Where does he need to get better and what has he done well? You know, as, as far as Kyler goes, I mean, I think he's he's done some good things. I think um, he'd be the first to tell you there's a number of things he needs to work on, whether it was, you know, protecting the football and some of the turnovers that uh, have been created, uh, knowing when to run, knowing not when to run, 
it's 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 a it's a process playing that position. And again, we all know what his talent is. He just got to continue to do the little things um, to master the position that we all talk about, whether it's processing and seeing the field um, and having opportunities. You know, this year you'd like to see us go a little more vertical, but people have been taking that away some. And, uh, you know, you have to be patient at the same time. So sometimes patience is, as they call virtue, it's, it really is in football um, very important to make sure that you're not turning the ball over, you're protecting it, and you're paying place in football. Talking to Cardinals general manager Steve Kime. Steve, obviously the plan was to have DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown out there at the same time this season. We haven't gotten to see that yet. Do you feel like it's got to be on one other person to step up opposite Hopkins in this passing game, or can it be a few guys until Hollywood gets back? I think it can be a few guys because I have, um, I have uh, you know, a great deal of admiration for a number of those guys. I mean, obviously I think that um, Rondale Moore has the ability uh, – Stay healthy the past several weeks to, to be a game changer with his speed and his quickness. Uh, we've seen Greg Dorch do some good things. AJ Green's had a great career. I mean, there's a number of guys that can do things, and then you forget about Zach Ertz and, and James Conner out of the backfield. You know, Benjamin has done some good things in the passing game. So, so collectively, as a unit, I think we have a number of talented guys that can step up. But once we get all those guys back on the field together, it, it should be an interesting. Uh, interesting look. Steve, haven't had the chance to talk to you very much about it, but talk to me about the defense, what you're seeing from this defense, and in particular, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. I, I would say, you know, I'm sure the, the, the large number of fans and, and critics uh, feel like our, our offense may maybe underachieved if they were going to describe it. I think that our defense has actually played a lot of good football. Um, I think that the number of those young guys are playing extremely well, Isaiah Simmons being one of them. And, and the thing that Isaiah brings is what I've said recently. Every time he's on the field, he makes big plays, whether it's a pick, whether it's a strip sack. Uh, his length, his athleticism, his ability to close on tackles on the perimeter of the field, his ability to cover in different coverage matchups, um, that's what we saw coming out of Clemson, a guy that can do that. But as well as guys like Zach Allen, J.J.'s playing at a high level. You know, Marcus Golden's starting to get his legs back and is playing better and better. Uh, and now with the, some of the rookies coming on, Cam Thomas has shown his natural pass rush ability, Myjay Sanders, uh, you know, again, obviously Buda Baker is an all-pro and continually shows why. But I feel like our defense has done some really, really good things and has played hard. Steve, you mentioned critics. Obviously, head coaching in the NFL comes with criticism. How do you feel about the job Cliff has done so far this year? I think that he's done a fine job in terms of uh, coaching. I think it takes two sides. It takes a side to coach and a side to execute. And we're all in this together, so there's no pit fingers being pointed on our side. Steve, man, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, buddy. God bless you. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Thanks. That's Cardinals General Manager Steve Kime joining us right there as the Cardinals head into this game against the Seahawks this weekend. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. DeAndre Ayton is probable to return tonight against the Trailblazers. So what do you want to see from the Sun Center in his return? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
All right, thanks to Steve Kime for joining us there, and we'll react to some of what he had to say here in a little bit, Wolf. But uh, I want to make sure we get back to the Suns, who are in action tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. And it sounds like DeAndre Ayton is probably going to be back for this game. So it really was a week. <laughs> it was exactly a week ago that he got hurt. And aside from the dynamic that you are, you're playing this team for the last time tomorrow. Yeah. The storyline to me, with all due respect to DA, and that probably is the bigger story, but, but the storyline to me is how are the Suns approaching this game? Because when we had Kevin Ray on earlier, he mentioned this and you and I were talking about it before the show. Last year, you would hear from guys. Yeah. We, we remember that Miami beat us three months ago. So they yeah. were on our list. We had to beat them. They went through and the Suns, I don't, think there was a team that they didn't beat last year. Um, so I just want, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if they come out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder relative to it being November, but knowing, hey, Portland's the one team that beat us, we've got payback on our minds. I don't think there's any doubt that that's exactly what's going to happen because Devin Booker is the team leader. Devin Booker <laughs> is their best player and he is their MVP. Uh, I, I'm honestly, right now, it all starts with your best player and how he acts. And Devin Booker right now, are you kidding me? Smoldering in a corner over this. The fact that the Trailblazers beat him. And it's one of the things I really appreciate about him the most. It's not just his raw, overt talent that we all see. It's how he conducts himself. The person that he is. The man that he is. And the example that he is to everybody else. Devin Booker sets the tone. He sets the tone in that locker room, man. Yeah, and I think Chris Paul understands that and defers to it. No, and I think it's uh, you're 100 percent right, and you see it around the league. There are certain teams that have you know really good player as their best player, but that player's mentality maybe isn't what you want your whole team's mentality to be. I think the Suns, I think we would all agree, James Jones, if he were here, Monty Williams, the fan base is is more than comfortable having this entire team's mentality follow Devin Booker's mentality. That's that's the approach you want in, in professional sports, certainly in basketball in 2022. Yes, and I, I've seen it and experienced it in my own life. I mean, just guys that were great leaders, guys that were your best players on the team. And yeah, okay, I didn't play for a lot of great teams, but man, can I tell you, there were some guys that I played with that were really, really good. Isn't that right, Jerome Bettis? He was really, really good. <laughs> um, You know, guys like Roy Jetstream Green, O.J. Anderson, really, really great football players, guys that went on to accomplish an awful lot in the National Football League, and yet they were guys that set the tone inside the locker room. That paradigm has walls, man. That NFL locker room has walls, and people walk inside that paradigm, and they model what they see so much of the time, and your best player carries an awful lot of weight. As to what is being modeled. I haven't heard Booker's answer to this, but regardless of whatever he says, I'm going to tell you right now, I feel like there's a little extra on this game. But Booker was asked yesterday if, if they're looking to avenge that loss to Portland. <laughs> win every game. You know, I know we try to create something for every game to find a motivation. And obviously that's something that we see that you know, it's the whole team we've lost to this season. But you know, we have them back-to-back nights. And you know, we're just going to take it one by one and try to play the basketball that we play. All right, he didn't shoot it down. 
That's fine. That's, I, I, you, you don't know, right? You don't know when you get a professional athlete, they might be like, oh, you know, it's, it's one of 82 games. He didn't, he didn't shoot he didn't it down. Highlight it. Yeah, he didn't highlight it. I love that. You know what? Honestly, um, why? Why would he not highlight the game? Because we want to win every game. And guess what? That's the one thing about the Suns we can say, especially coming off of last season. They go out and they compete. They do. They play like they want to win every game. Now, again, we've we've been talking about um, this season and how it has been different than what we saw from the 64-win season last year. Mm-hmm. It has been different. There's no doubt about it. They're working in guys. They're trying to do it, trying to empower other guys on this roster to go out and perform well. There's no doubt they're trying to do something a little bit different in terms of how they handle Chris Paul, in terms of how they handle Devin Booker even, and DeAndre Ayton. Um, yeah, they're doing things differently, but they're still winning. Last year, it felt like, and you can't always control this, but it did feel like around midway through the season um, that they were... Like, that was their best. And it didn't mean they had to drop off. Now, ultimately, they did in the playoffs. But it just kind of felt like, okay, here's everything. This is this is our best, and now we're just kind of, let's get to the playoffs. Hurry up here, okay? It's it's February. Let's let's get going. And then by the time the playoffs hit, obviously, they ran into a really good Luka performance, and they also trailed off. This year, it feels like there is more of a process of, okay, yeah, we're winning, and it's not like we're not trying to win, but our big picture is we're trying to fine-tune this and this, and we're working on this, and so... You want to be a team going into the playoffs in April and May that is better than the team you are right now in November. Yeah. And so if this is, it feels like this is the floor and the floor is six and one. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, every team has got a soul collectively. They do. They just have a way they're going to go about their business right now. And never forget that competitiveness is a good thing, especially when you're stepping in between lines right now. Being competitive says, I care about being better than you. <laughs> I care about being better than you. And um, that's what I mean by Devin Booker setting the tone for everybody else that is in the Suns locker room. Because he does care about being better than the guy that is trying to stop him from being better. He does care about that. And you watch him, the smoldering Devin Booker, when he competes and how he goes about his business. That's what he's modeling for everybody else. Because you know what, DA? Why aren't you modeling that? Why don't you care about the competitiveness and being better than your opponent on every series, every time, every quarter, every, every play? Why not? That's what I'd like to know. Well, D.A. should be back tonight. Booker talked about that as well. It'll be nice, man. Um, you know, if he's healthy, ready to go. Uh, I got the rest that he needed. It's a long season, so, you know, even a light ankle sprain like that, you don't want it to linger. And, you know, I think he's back ready to go. Honestly, I kind of thought it would be like, a, you know, I said this the other day. Maybe he plays one of these two games. And maybe he doesn't play tomorrow. Maybe they're like, hey, back-to-back coming off an ankle issue. What's the point? But he, when they said at least a week last Friday, yeah. I was thinking like, all right, so probably like two weeks. No, it's been exactly a week. DA's back. Here we go. Well, there it is. Monty actually gave us the cue that he was probably going to be playing tonight, yesterday. Yeah. When he actually said that. He said, hey, listen, you know what? He, he's been through practice, and we'll see how he responds. I, I have heard that 
a million times over. Um, that's when a coach is saying, listen, as long as he comes back and everything's fine, there was no swelling, he didn't suffer a relapse or whatever it may be, um, yeah, he's going to play. All right, we come back. Who or what is going to be the tipping point when the Cardinals face the Seahawks on Sunday? Fulcrum Football Week 9 edition is next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Souls. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona's sports. It's part of the NFL. It's not easy. It's not easy to win in the NFL. Everybody want to win. Who or what is the tipping point? That's going to be key to our success. This is Fulcrum Football with Wolf and Luke. All right, Fulcrum Football Week 9 edition. You know, Wolf, every time we do this, I write them down, right? And then I promptly toss it in the trash with everything else at the end of the show. So no. I, 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 if I was smart, I would have who we took a couple weeks ago when the Cardinals played the Seahawks, and therefore I am not smart. But the way this goes, we pick the players that are most likely to swing Sunday's game for better or worse, Cardinals or Seahawks, who's going to swing the game. And uh, there's the coin flip, Wolf. Look, you won. Oh, wow, I'm, I'm getting pretty good with this coin Coin toss thing. Okay, well, look, if I won if I won the coin flip and it's 2022, I'm just going to go ahead and, and get the easy pick out of the way, DeAndre Hopkins. And See how Seahawks, not good. <laughs> you can just go ahead and assume Hopkins give me my first pick for the rest of the season. Blake, just, honey, sit down and be quiet now, okay? Um, no, all right, right, here we go. Um, okay, that's your first. You know what? I'm going to have to go with... Don't do it. There's um, one player I really want to take. Zayvon Collins. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said, Mason Onions. I said Zayvon Collins right there because right now, Kenneth Walker third is going to get a lot of touches in this game. I totally believe this. The Seattle Seahawks are going to line up and they're going to try to run Kenneth Walker the third. All 5'9", 211 pounds of them. <laughs> How do you like that? Five, look, everybody, it's a fire hydrant with ears. Um, that's what it's like trying to tackle Kenneth Walker the third, and he's also very, very shifty. He makes a lot of guys miss as well. Think about this. This guy's got 461 yards rushing on the season right now. He's averaging 5.4 yards per carry, and he has five touchdowns. Five rushing touchdowns. They're all in the last four weeks, too, right? Listen, Zayvon Collins is going to play a big role in sh- in shutting down Kenneth Walker III and stopping the run. So I'm going to take Zayvon Collins as my first fulcrum football player. I will tell you this. I'm more likely to try and tackle a fire hydrant than a fire hydrant with ears. Yes. Because that, I would have a lot of questions. I wouldn't necessarily want to go through with that. All right, well, you convinced me that I'll take Kenneth Walker with my second pick. You lost a bunch of games, Seattle Seahawks. I don't know how you cannot. <laughs> you sold me. Look, I, I still think, and I know he hasn't been the starter all season. Rashad Penny was actually running really well before he got hurt, too. Yeah. But I still think everything Seattle does starts with Kenneth Walker, even though Geno's getting all the hype, and I get it, and Geno has waited a long time for the hype. But if they can't run with Kenneth Walker, I think that's your chance to put Geno Smith in tough spots. So if you stop Kenneth Walker, I think you win the game. If you do not, this is going to get real difficult. Okay, um, my second for. Fulcrum football player is going to be Buda Baker. Ah. Yeah, 
Yeah, oh, that's right. Buda Baker, ladies and gentlemen, because Buda Baker as a safety is going to have a huge impact in terms of helping to shut down Kenneth Walker, the third, and the Seattle Seahawks running the ball. Because Buda Baker, as we all know, comes down out of that secondary and runs into the darkness, does he not? And when he's running into the darkness, many times he hits people who are running the opposite direction into the darkness. And there's a massive collision. This is going to be Buda Baker's game, man. Buda Baker has got to be able to play. I think he's going to play, but he's going to not only impact the running game of the Seattle Seahawks, but also Geno Smith as a safety. Buda Baker, Geno Smith, and the Seattle Seahawks' ability to throw the ball to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Will Disley. You better believe it. Buda Baker, my second fulcrum football. It's really backfired on me because I only took Kenneth Walker to be spiteful because I felt like you were going down that path and Buda's the player I wanted. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Is there, have we ever made a trade in fulcrum football? You want to swing a deal here? I don't want no. Kenneth Walker on my team. No. You always well, go with the opponent. Well, he's a part of the game. So, if you took Buda, then I'm going to take Jalen Thompson. I gave Pete, you know, Littlefinger. I feel like he wasn't being honest with me. You went with Jalen Thompson. I got to go with Jalen Thompson. I wanted Buda. Hopefully Buda plays. If for some reason Buda doesn't play, and I agree with you, it sounds like he was at practice today. I think he will. But even if he does, Jalen Thompson's still a huge part of this. Uh, Let's let's not pretend the defense doesn't start with those two guys every week, no matter how healthy they are, how well anybody else plays, or who they're playing. It always starts with Buda and Jalen. Just so you know that Jalen Thompson was going to be my fifth fulcrum football (laughs) player, okay, my Buddha, of course, I took at number two, but for the exact same reason. The Seattle Seahawks are going to run the ball, ladies and gentlemen, Ron Wolfley reporting, and they're going to throw the ball down the field. And that is going to involve your safeties. And oh, by the way, the Arizona Cardinals have two of the best tackling safeties in the National Football League. That's why he was going to be my fifth Fulcrum football player. But, oh no! I'm going to go with my third fulcrum football player, Billy Price. Let's go! I like big fucks and I cannot lie. I mean, the fact that you had that ready, it bothers me. It does. (laughs) Okay, but listen, Billy Price, um, there was a breakdown. Billy Price did not have as good a game last week against the Minnesota Vikings as he did the week before against the New Orleans Saints. He he didn't. He he struggled a little bit. They need Billy Price to be the Billy Price from the Saints game and not the Billy Price from last week against Minnesota. Well, they took Zadarius Smith. Now, it is Zadarius Smith, and they put him over Billy Price and tried to isolate Billy Price. He's going to get a lot more looks like that as the season unfolds. And this is a guy that's got an awful lot of talent. He was a number one pick, former number one pick. He's got to put it all together. But Al Woods, Al Woods, the defensive tackle for the Seattle Seahawks, is going to play in this game. Al Woods did not play in the last game. That will test Billy Price. Billy Price has got to step up and play well. So now all of a sudden that interior pocket is going to be solid for Kyler Murray. Billy Price, my third 
Fulcrum football player. All right, I don't know if I've drafted this guy all season, but he does lead the Cardinals in sacks, and I want to see Geno Smith get sacked again this week, so I'm going to go with J.J. Watt. Double rainbow. Oh, my God. And you know what? J.J. Watt with the Hard Knocks cameras around there. He had a couple sacks last. Yeah, I, 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 I'll take my chances with J.J. Watt this week when he is out there to make at least one potentially game-altering play. So J.J. Watt is my fourth pick. And we have to get to a fifth round because I have my next pick already lined up. Yeah, can I tell you a little J.J. Watt encounter I had? I actually ran into J.J. Watt, and all of a sudden I saw him and said, J.J., man, congratulations on your the birth of your child. Yeah. I said, that's awesome. He looked at me and said, you know what? It really is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that? And it's, it's so cool, right? Anyways, yeah. there's a little personal story right there. Um, Okay, my, my fourth fulcrum football player, <laughs> James Conner. <laughs> James, please. I said, yeah, are you going to play? James Conner. I, I feel good. I feel good like James Conner could play, right? I feel good about it. Surprise! Um, James Conner. I, I just, I think James Conner changes the mentality, changes the attitude of the Arizona Cardinals and how they play the game of football, especially when he runs the ball in between the tackles. The offensive linemen can feel it when James Conner is ready to go. They can feel it. They can sense it. And they love it. They enjoy it when James Conner is running the ball in between the tackles. It makes them want to come off the ball. Come off the ball and ball out even even more than what they typically would. James Conner has a huge impact. He is a mentality for this team. And because of that, he is my fourth fulcrum football player. He's also a player, much like DeAndre Hopkins, that you didn't have last time you played Seattle. And so anything that can change your offense from the last time you played Seattle, I like. They're, they're rushing yards by running backs the last three games. Wolf, 44-106. The game, uh, Eno had a big night on Thursday night, and then 30. they got to get more running yards from their running backs. Last pick here, Wolf. And I think this is a uh, my last pick. I think this is a fulcrum football first. Matt Prater. They sunk in 2015, yeah. Go and kicker to close out my my fulcrum football draft because every Seahawks Cardinals game seems to come down to kicks. Just for that, I'm taking Andy Lee. It's a big stadium, you know. Could be. I don't know where it was aimed at. Definitely a fulcrum football first, a punter going, and back-to-back special teams players. All right, so you have Zayvon Collins, Buda Baker, Billy Price, James Conner, and Andy Lee. I have DeAndre Hopkins, Kenneth Walker the third, Jalen Thompson, J.J. Watt, and Matt Prater. That was fulcrum <laughs> football week nine edition yeah. coming up just next. just say, Luke, you lost a bunch of games. It's always just kind of running in the background on a Friday going into a Seahawks game. It's just, yeah, yeah, that song, where is it? Let's check in. Coming up next, the the top stories of the day. Wolf and Down, your lunch is coming up. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.